Warning, the following program contains an open, honest, frank, and sometimes explicit discussion of sex. Listener discretion is advised. Midwest Menage a Trois. Good afternoon, good evening, good morning, whatever the hell time you're listening to us. Welcome to Midwest Menage a Trois. I am JD and I'm here with my COVID half free <laughs> how you doing baby better than i was last week. we've had round one of covid shots yay us <laughs> yours went a little better than mine yeah a little bit i had all right well let's just tell everybody i had mine on wednesday night what around 7 30 it was late yeah 7 30 at night went in they stuck it in my arm i did not feel a thing the needle itself didn't feel it the guy had to show me that it was empty when he pulled it out of my arm because I literally did not feel it going into my arm. And I was fine until about 11.30 midnight. That's when I started having some arm pain. And it was, I don't know, it kept me awake. It was enough to wake me up and keep me awake. But it wasn't terrible. It wasn't unbearable by any means. Um, and it stayed sore for, what, two, three days? Something like that. And it was, you know, it, it got lessened over time, but you couldn't, I couldn't even touch my arm. It, it, that's how much it, it was sore. But it wasn't, okay, I can live with that. Then, <laughs> my lovely, lovely wife goes to get hers on... Saturday. Saturday, like around one thirty or so, right? Yep. Would you like to tell your story? <laughs> I was, um, I was fine all day, you know, Probably, I don't know, around six. Well, no, it was a little bit earlier. It started getting tender. Right. Like probably after a couple hours of having it done, it started getting tender. Um, That night started getting really, really tender. Um, I slept. I slept fine. That next day. Well, yeah, you were fine that night because we had friends over. Uh Sat in the hot tub. Came down, sang some songs, hung out at the bar. You were fine. It um, was sore. Yeah, but not nothing like uh, I need to go to bed. <laughs> no, no. And I, you know, I slept fine. That was fine. Uh, the next morning, I could hardly move my arm. And <laughs> yeah, it, was... it was bad. Um, we went over and brought the boat home so you could get it worked on. Right. Um, and by time we got home and that was probably around 10, 30, 11 o'clock. Mm, yeah. AM. Yeah. AM. In the morning. Um, by that point, I really couldn't move my arm. Uh, started running a fever of hundred, ninety nine hundred. 9,900. Yeah. It was, it, uh, it hovered right around 99. Yeah. It never, 99, I don't think nine. it ever got over a hundred, but, um, and then, just body aches everywhere. Mm-hmm. So we were going to sit in the hot tub. We were going <laughs> to chill out for the day. I was going to go for a walk and have some fun. Yeah, none of that happened. So basically all day on Sunday. And by Monday morning, you were still feeling it. Oh, yeah. You were up and at work, but you were still struggling. Yeah. Um, still running a low-grade fever. And then by Monday noonish, fever was gone, and I at least had some mobility in my arm. 
<laughs> a little Be- bit. <laughs> because Sunday, the I had even to walk, I had to put my hand up on my chest. Right. Otherwise, it hurt. Because your arm would bounce up and down or move. Right. In a weird way. Yeah. Yeah. And it would just send shooting pains. So, um, yeah, little difference. And it's really weird. Yeah, because when we had COVID, I'm the one that had all the symptoms. You had nothing. I had nothing. The most I had, I was tired. I told her, I said, you know what this is? It's karma. No. <laughs> what it is, is I have a stronger immune system than you do. Apparently, because it kicked into high gear all of a sudden. It did. And it said, no, bitch. And now I don't want to get the second one. Yeah, but you got to. <laughs> but I have to. Because we got to go to Mexico. I know. I don't want to, especially being that, you know, it's supposed to be worse and I have training that Monday. Yeah, it'll be all right. It better be. You probably won't have any symptoms the second one. I'll have them all. I'll, I will take your symptoms for you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Thank you. <laughs> I did a little, uh, brief mention of it there, though. I guess we should tell you guys we did make a final decision. Um, provided Carmen's work goes okay, uh, we've decided we're just going to go. We're going to Mexico. Um, at this point now, we've been vaccinated. We've both had COVID. We've done everything we possibly can now to not get it. So we're going to roll the dice and go. Yep. And my work Sorry, at this point, it, we're beyond the point of being able to cancel. To so, call it up. Well, we could we could always reschedule it if we had to. At a cost. Because yeah, we're not going to. Of course. Right. But, so work would pay the difference, apparently. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that would happen. <laughs> Too bad. That's your choice. I go or you pay the difference. Yep. Your choice. All right. Well, so, yes, we have made that decision. We're going. Um, we'll be gone the first week of May, and obviously we'll have a good trip report for you guys when we get back. Looking forward to it because we're going someplace new this time. We're still going to Desire, but we're going to go to Desire Pearl. We've never been to that one. It's a little bit further down the beach, uh, still in that Cancun area. It's it's only like two or three miles away. They're yeah. not that far apart, but a um, little different resort, a um, little bit different layout, a little bit different vibe. So we'll have a full report for you guys when we get back from that one. I'm kind of really looking forward to it. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. I can't wait. I am so ready to get out of here. <laughs> you know, and if anybody's been there and can can correct me if I'm wrong, Pearl isn't the... I think they still have some of that, but it doesn't. But it, it doesn't happen as much and as long. Well, are you talking about like in the daytime at the pool? In the daytime, yeah. Well, I think uh, I think it still happens, but Pearl's pool is so much bigger that there's a quiet end and there's a not quiet end. So yeah. if you want to get away from the you go to the quiet end. <laughs> yeah, but I don't think you're going to get away from you know, you're still going to hear it. Yeah. Well, I'm sure it'll be background noise, yes, but it won't be yeah. that constant in your head thumping. Yeah. That you so love. Ugh. <laughs> no. Uh, let's see what else is going on, guys. Uh, as we mentioned, we've been kind of just hanging out. We did have some friends over on Saturday. It was a lot of fun and lots of lifestyle talk. That was kind of it. It was a good time. We got yeah. some got some good talk in and had some fun with those guys and. 
you got to sing with a, a guitarist. That was always fun. <laughs> You'd never done that. I haven't. <laughs> so that was cool. It was fun. Yeah. Um, and then this weekend, we've got coming up a hotel takeover where we're going to be broadcasting live. Yeah, that one's going to be fun. Yeah, we're looking forward to that. It's sold out, so it's going to be a great crowd, and we're going to be live down in one of the banquet rooms with a lot of other stuff going on while we're there, so... Hopefully, if you're coming, stop by and see us. If you're not, you can catch all the action as we report. And next week's show, I'm sure we'll have all kinds of stuff to talk about for you. Yeah, so we will be recording on uh, Friday night. So if you're there on Friday night, come see us. Yes. Saturday, we will not. Saturdays anymore. Uh, Saturdays from a takeover, that's our night to just... Have fun. Yeah. We (laughs) don't want to feel like we have to work. Let loose a little. Yeah. So, yep, it'll be a good time, and we'll have a full report, as I mentioned. So that's what's going on in our world. I wanted to talk a little bit tonight. I came across an article. How do you think I should do this? I don't know. Do you think we should go through the article first, and then I tell you who wrote it? Yeah. I think that's a good way to approach it. This sure. is a really, really good article. It, um, it actually appeared in Vanity Fair. So that's monumental for a number of reasons. Um, first of all... Uh, it, it's written from the point of view of a unicorn. Uh, she's 32 years old, I believe, and she is a true swinging unicorn. So, you know, for this show, we do just a ton of research, and I, I read everything I possibly can get my hands on. And anytime you see anything in mainstream media, it always really focuses on the poly side of things the polyamorous situations and those relationships. Um, You very, very rarely ever see anything about just the lifestyle and swinging. You don't. This one actually calls out the lifestyle. She is a unicorn in the lifestyle. She's not in this for the relationships. Um, It's kind of interesting. And and to appear in a mainstream media publication like Vanity Fair, that's that's pretty monumental. Yeah, and guys, so so you know... I have not read this article. So JD (laughs) asked me if I wanted to read it. And a lot of times when he reads something, I feel like it, when we get to the discussion part, I, I'm like, yeah, whatever. I read it. So (laughs) I don't, I don't. Yeah. She didn't want to read this one. She wanted to be surprised by it. So I just highlighted a few things that I want to go through in this article. And if you guys get a chance, check it out. It was in a couple of weeks ago. Like I said, in Vanity Fair, I'm sure you can find it online. But anyway, um, so from the perspective of a unicorn, she starts off by talking about, you know, getting into it and and that first date, so to speak. Um, As I nervously texted my closest friends, including screenshots of the couple's profile and their dramatic goodbyes and dramatic goodbyes in case I never returned. (laughs) We've all been there. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Many of them surprised me with their responses. They said uh, they were curious about threesomes. They'd never tried because navigating the world of uh, polyamory and and swinging felt like a minefield. That's interesting. I like that line because she was very open about it with her friends. And they responded positively and said, yeah, that's that's interesting. Yeah. Instead of trying to shame her for it. Well, and just to hear her friends, you know, it's like a minefield in that. Yeah, so it very much could feel like that. Like, oh shit, what am I getting myself into? Uh, this could be a a volatile situation when you have 
you know, a married couple and you're coming into that. What if you have all those what ifs? Yeah, absolutely. There, it is a minefield on so many levels, especially when you're new and you don't know what you're doing. Yep. <laughs> so she goes on to say, as a person with comically massive reserves of anxiety, I too fear uncharted territory. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> um, but she really gets into how this affected her personally, how it affected herself. Uh, says here, I now understand that my curiosity, open-mindedness, and sense of adventure are three non-negotiable defining elements of my identity. But it wasn't until I started sleeping with couples that I shed my shame about those qualities. Hmm. Really looked inside herself there. Yeah. Um, it helped me better cope with depression, anxiety, and the lingering cognitive effects of adolescent anorexia. It, it makes sense because if you are suppressing the things that you want to do, the things that you're curious about and who you feel like you are as a person, of course you're going to be depressed and you're going to have that anxiety. Right. And like I said, this, this whole self-discovery that she went on and it was because of the lifestyle, she kind of was better to able to cope with that and understand it. Um, from seeing different point of views, I guess. It brought it out in her. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Here we go. When people think about three ways, intimacy may not be the first thing to come to mind. Kinky, dirty, and taboo are probably top of the list. It can certainly be all of those things, she says with a smile. <laughs> <laughs> but when a couple invites me into their bed, and I, I want to say this goes for, um, I think it could go for unicorns and other couples. So, but she says, when a couple invites me into their bed, I not only get welcomed into the midst of their pre-existing connection, but also get to forge a new one with them based on their trust that I will respect the boundaries of their relationship. This is a vulnerable position all around. Very true. Wow. <laughs> I couldn't have said that any better myself. That was <laughs> right on the money, I think. I agree. Yeah, she, you know, it, it, it's a huge level of trust. It's a huge level of respect when you open that door. And if you don't have that, that's when things go south. Oh, yeah. So I highlighted this. It just says the lifestyle. Because honestly, as I was reading this, this is literally the first time in mainstream media I've seen the lifestyle. Like that terminology. Yes, Yes, because like I said, it's it's almost always about Polly or, or something, some facet of that. So I just highlighted the lifestyle. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. I did, let's see. Okay, she's talking about previous relationships at this point. So prior to her entering the lifestyle, she says, I did know that my partner loved me despite my weird wildness while I yearned to be with someone who loved me because of it. I thought that was a pretty powerful statement right there, too. Oh, yeah. they. You should never be with somebody who loves you in spite of one of your traits. It should... I love you even though... Even though <laughs> you make me nuts. <laughs> uh, another good quote she had out of this article. Finding my wildness as an adult was much more peaceful than finding it as an adolescent. It was not reacting or crying out, but intentionally searching for it. 
Makes sense. When you're in adolescence, you're trying to find your feet. Well, and so much of the the acting out. Um, I, I think at one point she was even talking about, you know, her bisexual experiences, you know, like in college and stuff. Some of that acting out, not all of it, but some of it is just rebellion. Not, yeah. You know, for, for a lot of people. I know for me, uh, you weren't so much of no, a rebel. <laughs> but and how much but, of that maybe isn't because of rebellion, but you're young and you don't know your limits. And so you, you get drunk and then you try something <laughs> right. and the next day you regret it. Whereas an adult, you can say, you know what? I really kind of want to do this. And I you, choose this. I choose it. Right. I, I equate it to drinking. When I was an adolescent, I drank to rebel. It was taboo. Now I drink just because I like it. I choose to. <laughs> you choose to. <laughs> yeah, boozer. I'm having a bourbon right now, by the way. What is this one? This is, I, uh, I can't see up there. Uh, oh, this is the new, uh, what does that say? Is that naked? No, it's the one next to it. New riff. New riff. Yeah, the new riff. It's good. Anyway, back to the story. <laughs> um, she goes on to say here, then it. Then it dawned on me that this common thread was not a certain kink or favorite sex position. She's talking about speaking with other swingers um, online and, and setting updates and stuff. It wasn't uh, a kink or a favorite sex position. It was the commitment to embracing one's own nonconformity, the celebration of individualism and sexuality without shame. Yeah, I don't think I've ever in the lifestyle met anyone so far that kink shames anyone. Exactly. And we've met all across the board, every kind of kink and fetish you can possibly imagine. There's some that I just say, ow. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's because of the open-mindedness and because of the communication we have, it's, you can sit and look at something and go, that's interesting. Not for me, but for you. Go ahead. Go for it. And and I don't know how many times you say that on this show. Hey, if you're into that, go for it. <laughs> uh, as long as it's not hurting anyone and it's not illegal, <laughs> go for it. I did want to throw this one in there. She says, and with, as with any online forum, I had to weed out the occasional creep. <laughs> uh, yeah. She said, in general, the people I connected with were clear communicators and more transparent about difficult subjects like STD status than I had ever encountered before. You probably don't get that a whole lot in the single dating realm of, you know, hey, I'm tested. Here's my here's my numbers. <laughs> right. I mean, there. I, I would imagine there's some, but yeah, not nearly as much as it is in, in this community. Uh-huh. Um, now she goes on to talk about uh, meeting her her first couple, and she calls them Oliver and Isabella. Obviously, they're fake names. Uh, she says, from the moment I greeted the couple and realized I needed to decide whom to acknowledge first, it became clear how different this experience was going to be from any other previous date. That's a good point. Whom to acknowledge first. I can see it from a single point of view if you're meeting a couple do you acknowledge the male first do you acknowledge the female first dude <laughs> it's it's a weird dichotomy yeah i think typically like for a couple situation for the women greet the women the men greet the men and then you right. kind of switch you know in 
those kind of situations. Absolutely. But from a single female point of view, she's interested in both parties. <laughs> but I wonder <laughs> I if, still think you go with female to female. I was going to say, I. it's probably, I would say, female to female. Does she say? Um, she does not. But she goes on to, to talk more about the date and says, you know, on a two-person date, certainly a heteronormative one, there tends to be an unconscious blueprint of the basic mode of operation. You sit across from each other, you ask each other questions, maybe you argue over the check. Um, energetically, it's ping pong. A date with three people, however, is more like volleying a beach ball with no net and no playbook. <laughs> <laughs> and you're right. There's no way to pre-plan that conversation. It, but the, the same holds true for couples as well because... You know, one person isn't just carrying the whole conversation and you have to try and fit four people in the mix that you don't know and you don't know their speech patterns yet to go, oh, they're done. Let me talk now. (laughs) Let me talk. I'm in the game, boss. Uh, This is an interesting insight, too. The fluidity of the situation made autopilot impossible, which made me realize how often I go on autopilot in dating and otherwise. I thought more consciously about what I wanted to do or say in each moment. At whom did I want to bat my new eyelashes at? Did I want to ask questions about him, her, or their relationship? It really made her stop and think about all those things as she was conversing with both of them. Very true. I can see that. This is an interesting statement, too. A unicorn not only dates the individuals, but also dates the relationship. Hmm. And depending on the relationship, there could be lots of baggage. (laughs) There could be. (laughs) There could be. (laughs) She says, I got an unexpected rush from asking Isabella a question about her childhood that Oliver had never thought to ask her in their years of dating. So she added this new component to the relationship. And, you know, now she's asking questions that he never thought to not, you know, not putting him down in any way. He just it just never crossed his mind to go down that path. So it brings in a whole new perspective, just even in the conversation realm. Oh, you can't hear my head nodding. <laughs> no, uh-huh. I can't. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and this is kind of interesting, too. This is, uh, I don't know what to say. I'm just going to read it. <laughs> Oliver was conventionally attractive, but probably not someone I would have vibed with non-platonically under other circumstances. At one point, when Isabella was in the bathroom, I told Oliver how hot she was, substantiating my claim by describing some of the naughty things I'd like to do to her. This disclosure lit him up, which made me want him in a way I hadn't before. Huh. There's a little compersion going on there. A little bit, I think. (laughs) We talk about that all the time, but... uh, And she starts off by saying, hey, this guy, you know, the guy of the couple, he wasn't someone I would have dated outside of this situation. However, now that I've gotten to know them and and seen his passion for her and that, that opened up her eyes a little bit. You know, that you can even take that outside of the lifestyle, too. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Because somebody may not be very attractive. You may not find them attractive, but you see them. And maybe this is how some of the married men get 
into trouble because, you know, when they were single, women weren't hitting on them. But then they women start seeing how they are with their partner and they become more attractive and then other women start hitting on them and shame on other women. <laughs> right. If they're, you know, monogamous couple, shame on you. Um, but I can see how that would happen. I agree. Um, unfortunately, most people, if there's not that immediate physical attraction, they don't take the time to get to know anybody else. Right. So in, you're in out this clubbing, instance, you're out, you're out at a bar or whatever, and you see the guy down at the corner and you're like, yeah, not happening. And you don't even talk to him and develop any kind of other relationship. She says there was no doubt that his desire to fulfill her was the deeper motivation for fulfilling me. Interesting. Yeah, I thought that was too. I got to turn the page. <laughs> uh, most notably, though, it has made me take stock of how many emotionally intelligent friends I've made via the lifestyle. I love that sentence. And we definitely feel the same. Um. Probably because their willingness to navigate complicated interpersonal issues, regardless of the sexual activity, I'm still friendly with every single couple I've met through ethical non-monogamy. You know, one thing she hasn't discussed in here, and I'm surprised about it, is how the lifestyle has made her more able to speak her own mind and express her own wants and needs even outside of the bedroom well and again this is a six-page article i have not hit all the points right right no <laughs> she I, does I, dive into that a little bit um you know in the beginning we talked about how it really helped her with her depression and anxiety and that stuff um but it does go into some of that uh, i wanted to read this kind of last little tidbit here it's a paragraph but <laughs> I love how she addresses it. For concerned citizens inclined to respond to my sexual liberation by reminding me to respect myself, it's baffling how many well-intentioned woke people let this kind of sexist rhetoric slip out. I hope this piece helps you understand I do respect myself, arguably even more than I did before I started sleeping with couples. One of the most frustrating misconceptions about sexuality, sexually adventurous people is that we are somehow less responsible. But the opposite may be true. Shining a communal light on sexuality makes it harder for darkness, like assault and trauma, to fester. Because of my outspokenness, I've dealt with everything from first dates spitting in my mouth ugh, yeah. to people assuring me I'd never find a partner to start a family with. Through all of the judgment, the incredible moments of connection and transformation I've shared with these couples remind me that my expansive mind is a gift. Well said. Now, I, normally we don't do this. I mean, there's there's thousands and thousands of articles out there on these subjects. You can find them anywhere. This one, it caught my attention. It appeared in mainstream media, and not many people picked up on it, which shocked the hell out of me because now... I'm going to tell you who wrote this article. <laughs> when I told you earlier today, were you shocked? Yeah. <laughs> so the author's name is Carolyn Rose Giuliani. 
daughter of Rudolph Giuliani. Very conservative. <laughs> very conservative. Very Republican. A lawyer. Uh, he was the governor of, uh, no, he was the mayor of New York, right? Mayor Giuliani. Yes, he was yes. the mayor of New York during the whole 9-11 thing. Did a fantastic job there. Um, he also served uh, with President Trump. He was his legal counsel. So, yes, very right-wing, very conservative, and that's his daughter writing this article. Which, going back, a lot of it makes sense. Um, it makes sense with... Hold on. <laughs> what are you trying to tell me? You're, you're giving me stage directions I am, over there. I'm, I'm trying to tell you to um, cut your mic off. Oh, sorry. <laughs> um, that's my cue to shut up. No, it's not at all. But... Um, when she's talking about her rebellion and finding herself as a youth and partying and doing all of that kind of thing, it makes sense because parents, when you're in that political public spotlight, public spot, you can't, you can't make daddy look bad. You can't make mommy look bad. You have to be this perfect little angel, which is a lot of repression. Yeah. And so you know, sometimes they're out doing things that, you know, they're it's they're pulled like a rubber band and at some point they're going to snap. And so they're doing things that probably they wouldn't do. Well, and I think, you know, obviously she mentioned at one point she had an eating disorder. That's a lot of pressure to be under for. If you think about it, she's 32 now. So 20 years ago when she that, was little when nine eleven happened, and and Rudy was in New York, mayor of New York. Yeah, she was twelve years old. <laughs> yeah, so you're in that spotlight. Everybody is criticizing what you look like and what you're doing, and that kind of thing. So for her to find herself in some sort of healthy manner, Amen. Yes. And I, I'm so glad she wrote this piece, and I'm so glad that, that Vanity Fair published it. I'm a little disappointed that not more news outlets picked it up. <laughs> but on the other hand, I'm not. Yeah. I, I'm not sad about that. And we've had this discussion. Go ahead. Sorry. Well, it, if others would have picked it up, they could have crucified her in the media like we all know is so true. known to and happen. And I'm surprised they didn't, to be honest with you. <laughs> right. But here she came out on something that is very personal to her and may help her and may help others. And I'm grateful she didn't get crucified. Yes, absolutely. And I, and we've had this discussion before. Uh, we've talked about it on the show. We've had this discussion with friends. Being in the lifestyle is so socially unaccepted we have to be to a point more closeted than a lot of other people who have alternative sexuality or or you know lifestyles non-hetero yes yeah you know, to be in the lifestyle um we have to watch out because it still, to this day, can cost you a job, it can cost you family members, it can cost you public ridicule, all kinds of problems. Absolutely. I mean, look at, we were talking last week with our friends from Minnesota. Minnesota. No, 
Michigan. <laughs> like, who do we know? Michigan. Oh, yeah, Michigan. I'm sorry. <laughs> yes, uh, the, the guys we had on last week. Yeah, so had them on last week. You know, for every 100 hotels that they contact, they get one, one that for a yes. takeover. Yeah. Right. Whereas, and this is, please do not take it this way. It's not meant anything No, I know bad. what you're going to say. And take it even to a broader level. To Not if, not only that, but if you wanted to have a convention of any kind uh, promoting alternative sexual preference. If you wanted to have a gay pride takeover. <laughs> or an LG, take- LGBTQ or, yeah. or trans takeover. Anything. Anything <laughs> like that. They would Come open on, yeah. arms <laughs> welcome. Yes. Um, but this is different. It is. Um, we know people that... that um, hide their identity, use face, even, even when meeting people will use fake names, will be very, very cautious about who they're meeting, um, because of the fear. And in some aspects we're that way. Absolutely. Yeah. We use fake names, (laughs) but we also do a a podcast that's available to anyone. Right. (laughs) There is no restriction on who can listen to this. (laughs) Right. But even like our, you know, everything else, our names aren't on it. I mean, we have to really get to know people and feel comfortable through friends of friends of friends before we will give you our real name. Yes. So So that's cool. I'm glad it's out there getting more attention and hopefully it it starts the ball rolling and gets even more and and gets more acceptable. Yes. Damn it. I want my flag. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. I've already, we got one on the boat. (laughs) All right, now I'm going to leave you guys with this little tidbit um, because I came across it and i got to put it out there. We all, You've heard us talk about the boat. we got the new boat. If you get a chance, listen to the song called I'm on a Boat by Lonely Island. <laughs> this is my new favorite boating song. Oh, my goodness. It is so fucking hilarious. <laughs> we were in the hot tub one day just cruising boating playlists on, on Apple Music and the song popped up and oh my god it is so fun so go listen to that <laughs> lonely island i'm on a boat that is gonna wrap up this edition of midwest menage a trois we are gonna get out of here for tonight if you want to contact us please do so it's midwest threesome at gmail.com we're on facebook under midwest menage a trois or on sls now that it's back up and running it was down for like two days oh yeah it's back up now um on there we're under lake s couple so hopefully we will hear from you guys Um, We will be back next week, I'm sure, with uh, reports from the takeover, and we will talk to you then. Bye-bye.